0: Hey, y'all. I know it's been a while since the last time we spoke on the Flourish podcast, but I'm so excited to be back this week talking about all things Always After Me. Always After Me is my brand new book about my testimony, my story, how God has saved my life, how he transformed my life, and how he restored my life. And I'm so excited to dig deeper into some of the chapters in my book because I know that some of y'all have read my book You probably have all the questions you like sandy. What happened with this? What was the end result of that and I was intentional about my words and what I shared um, and very straight to the point straightforward about some of the things that I shared, because I think sometimes we overshare and I wanted to get to a point of what this is what God did This is what he did for me. This is how he can do this for you. This is what I've learned. And so I think that those things are so important to talk about. And I'm so excited to be back for a fresh episode on the Flourish podcast about my brand new book, Always After Me. I know some of you opened the first pages of my book and you're probably like, wow, Sandy had a dream about her father laying in a casket at nine years old, and he passed away. He died at his job the next week. Um, And for me, that was kind of where the turning point happened, where the enemy really was um, distorting how I would hear from God. And I had built so much resentment in my heart towards God because I couldn't understand why he would allow me to have a dream about my father laying in a casket at nine years old and unction me, give me a a unction to call my father and tell him not to go to work or he's going to die the next day. And trying to communicate and navigate through um, the things that I had heard from God in that season of my life was one of the most difficult things I've ever done because for me, losing my dad was like losing my best friend. I could call him and talk to him about anything. We spent summers together, holidays, birthdays, um, everything. And he was really everything to me. I wasn't that close with my mom or my stepdad, but my dad was the one person I knew I could count on and losing him was the hardest thing in my life that I've ever experienced. Um, one of the hardest things I'll say, and, um, From that time, like, because I had resentment in my heart towards God and I I really started going down this path of not wanting to hear from God as much because, again, I didn't understand how to seek God. I didn't understand how to hear the voice of God. Even though I was hearing him and I was doing what he said to do at nine years old, I still didn't understand the prophetic and hearing God's voice and how to move when God says move. I just knew that I felt this deep burden come over me whenever God would speak to me to act on what he said and to move um, on what he said. And since then, like um, up until I was about 16 or 17, I have always felt like the enemy has challenged me in that area, always come after me in that area, because he knows that when God speaks, I'm going to move. I'm going to do what he said, even if it costs me everything. And um, for a while, I went through a rebellious season where I really didn't want to do what God said, and I tried to do things my way, because carrying that burden of the prophetic and understanding and learning how to navigate that, all became too much to me, um, because I had seen it perverted in church, I had seen it misused, and people using that gift to manipulate people and things like that, and I didn't wanna do that. I was like, I don't wanna be like these people, I don't wanna do this stuff, like God, even though I know my life isn't measuring up and I'm not walking according to your will, I still don't wanna dishonor you. And um it took me a very long time to heal from being upset with God behind taking away what m- meant most to me because I thought I had this idea in my mind that God bad things ain't supposed to happen to me because I'm a Christian I go to church every Sunday, I lead worship in my parents' church, I do this, I do that, and God had to help me understand that I am not exempt from hard things happening to me. Yes, some things I brought on to myself, but there are certain trials and um, things that I have to endure that I cannot skip in life. And so my dad, like, God really used my dad's death to teach me a lot about hearing from him and how to be okay when certain things happen. Because he loves me, he's preparing me for certain things, and that's just how God deals with me. On the flip side, um, losing my dad very early um, really sowed a seed of rejection in my life. Like I gave into rejection and abandonment, and I really had an orphan spirit attached to my life. Um, where I felt like I didn't belong in my family, I felt outcasted um I just felt alone, and because I felt alone and didn't have a male figure in my life like affirming me and telling me that I'm beautiful and giving me all the things that a daddy's girl should have or the voice that she should have in her life, um I chose to entertain people who would give me that um and i hid my pain in relationships and um gifting and creating and all the things like i hid myself within that because um it was just easier to step into relationships with guys who made themselves unavailable to me but um, the first one who gave me attention, I decided that I was going to marry. I decided that I was going to do that because having him there made me feel comfortable. It made my pain feel comfortable. It made me feel safe. Um, It made me feel like I was at home to be near someone who gave me attention or made me feel like I was important to them. And because most of my life as a child was out of control. The first person who made me feel a sense of control or made me feel like I was in control or like life was able to be controlled, um, I gravitated towards that. And... um it caused me to to really make a lot of mistakes. I had to learn a lot of things the hard way because I enjoyed being with someone who made me feel stable in the sense of my pain. They didn't uncover it, but made me even more secure in hiding it. And um, that's, what happens when you lose a parent very early who is very influential in your life and who gives you all of the rundown about why you are called why you're chosen how much they love you whenever you take that voice away if you don't cling to god um, in that moment in that season and you don't get the help that you need to process death, because grieving is healthy. It is necessary. You should allow yourself to grieve. When you don't allow yourself to do that, even as a child, when your parents or whoever um, that sees or witnesses that you're going through something very traumatic, or you've lost someone who is very important to you, when you don't get the help you need, you usually lash out in other ways uh, when you don't heal properly. You get into relationships that are very abusive. Um, you enjoy being in control in certain areas of your life. And you love controlling the perception of others to make them feel like you're okay, like you're good and like you don't need help. And that's a lot of what I did. So after my life started spiraling out of control, Um, I decided that I was going to get married to my first husband, and, um, everyone around us encouraged us to get married, and there was one or two people who decided that, um, who really thought it was in best interest that we didn't, but I didn't want to hear that, um, because in my mind, I enjoyed the sense of security that, um, that controlled relationship gave me. And, um... A lot of it was built on lies. A lot of it was built on selfishness and what I wanted to do and what I thought was best for my life. And I really didn't want to hear anybody telling me any different Um, because that's what happens when you've spent pretty much 10 or 11 years hiding or running away from pain, not really getting delivered, not really seeking God, but just throwing everything that you experience under the disguise of religion and attending church every Sunday and getting into all these habits of thinking that you're good as long as you go to church, you're good as long as the pastor has prayed for you, but never actually really digging deep and getting the help that I really needed. And like Throughout high school, I saw psychiatrists. Uh, My grandmother would take me to see psychiatrists and things, and some of those conversations really helped, but I never really got the help that I needed because even after those sessions, I would go right back into my old ways of thinking, right back into my old ways of living. And I never went consistently. I never showed up consistently, never talked through my issues consistently. And... um, When I turned 18, I got married um, to a man that I really thought was the one. I kept telling everybody he was the one, but the whole time, deep down, if I'm honest, he wasn't. Um, And I knew that, but I was more determined to keep up my image in front of people and not disappoint anyone or not let myself down or not experience another breakup or losing someone that I hold dear or that I idolize. I was so headstrong and not showing up as a mistake again or going through the ins and outs of letting people know how my life isn't so perfect. Um, And controlling their perception, I was so headstrong in that, that I still chose to get married to him. And it really ultimately did ruin my life. Um, We fought every day. We argued every day for the most part. And um, I tried to do things my way a little while longer. And... um, As I tried to do those things my way a little while longer, um, I continued volunteering at Rocket Town and met some people that I became really good friends with. And I got really, really sick one night while volunteering. And I'm not a person who gets sick. I have a very strong immune system. I take very good care of my body as much as I can. And um, I started losing blood vaginally and coughing up blood as well and um, called my ex-husband to come pick me up and we go home and I'm up through all out the night throwing up and things and the next day it got worse and so um, he drove me to the hospital and we get to the hospital and I remember being feeling like I was trapped in my body and losing touch of reality and This experience is something that most people um, look at me like I'm crazy when I share this experience but um, the reason I don't share it often is because um, it's one of those things that I hold very dear to my heart but I feel like it's the time and the season to share. And we arrive at the hospital and I remember the nurses and things coming out and just bending my hand, my fingers back and Um, asking to see if I had a pulse and things like that. And somewhere in between there, I was rolled to the registration desk. They asked for my ID and my name. And I transitioned back enough to be able to speak and say that this is my name and things like that and handed them my ID. And between the registration desk and being put on the bed, I transitioned and died for what was about 20 to 30 minutes earth time. Um, I didn't have some wild, crazy outer body experience in heaven, um, but I knew that wherever I was, God was most definitely there. And everything that I did see is very different from um, earth here. Everything in heaven, if I was to say that I was in heaven, um, is magnified. It's not um, like here. It's very, very magnified and I remember transitioning back and a literal angel of the Lord was in full manifestation as a nurse in my room and um, and a doctor in my room. And I go back the next week for a follow-up appointment and I ask for my medical records and no medical records are on file for me. The doctor that I asked for does not work there. And so that was the moment that I knew that a literal angel of the Lord saved my life. And this is why I'm so passionate about the things of God. I'm passionate about protecting my life. I'm so passionate about i um, seeing other people walk in their calling because I understand what it's like to go through all hell and have your life ripped from the ground up. Your life literally ripped from the ground up and God rebuilding it. And so that was one of those moments that I continue to hold on today. And I remember looking back on those moments like, God, thank you for saving my life. Thank you for bringing me back to life, which is where the song Dry Bones was written that night I was released from the hospital. And I love that song because it is a true testament to what Ezekiel did when he walked out in there. And he said, God, this is a valley of dry bones. I know you can make them come alive again, Lord. And so the song goes,
1: Awake, Oh my soul, away these dry bones, away, oh, my soul, away these dry bones. I need you, I need you, I need you to lift my head Cause I can't take my eyes off where I've been The weakness in my soul needs you to make it all Cause I can't overcome without you, Lord Awake, oh my soul Awake, these dry
0: If anyone knows anything about narcissists, you know that they love to control people who, especially men controlling women who are weak, Um, who seem weak or who love the idea of someone being there like they prey on women who are very um, wide open in the sense of not having a solid father figure and all the things like they know that and so I was most determined like I said to do things my way. And I thought that by us moving to Nashville, Tennessee, after he presented me with the idea that it would be a great fresh start for us. We would be able to start over. He would finally change. He would love me the way I needed to be loved. And maybe we just needed this fresh start. And if I just gave him everything he wanted, if I made him feel like the highest king on earth, then he would change and we wouldn't fight every day. And boy was I in for a rude awakening. I loved living in Nashville. It was Music City. I was very passionate and on fire for God in the sense of music. And I loved everything there was about leading worship. And I'm so thankful for the friendships that I did have in that season of my life that I was able to make while attending um, that school. And just so thankful for what God did in that season of my life. But it got worse his personality changed even more. Um, When I started volunteering at this place called Rocket Town in Nashville, it's an indoor, outdoor skate park outreach center for kids. Um, And I didn't tell him where I was going one particular night and I didn't tell him when I was coming home. And when I got home, he lashed out on me and dragged me from one room to the other and almost took my life. I, in return, called, I managed to break away from him and called the police, and he was escorted out of our apartment. And I'll never forget how I laid in my bed and I cried myself to sleep, because I didn't know what I was going to do. I enjoyed living where we were living. I enjoyed being where we were, And I enjoyed the people that we had met. I enjoyed my friends. I enjoyed being in a new atmosphere. But it never dawned on me that, until I did research to see that narcissists love to take women away from their families at a distance where they can control them and they don't have anywhere else to go or anyone else to depend on. And so, because I didn't want to be alone, I started dating guys and inviting different guys into my house because I enjoyed it. And I, I did not want to deal with the pain because yet again, here I am facing another hard and traumatic circumstance, another hard and traumatic situation, especially um, going through separation and divorce where I'm trying to hide my pain and this time in a, in a more magnified way. I'm drinking. I'm having sex with strangers. I'm entertaining guys that I barely know and inviting people over to my house that I shouldn't really have in my house and lying to people about my whereabouts and just doing things to, again, numb the pain. And um, it wasn't until one night I was in a relationship kind of exclusively with a guy that I really did enjoy his company at the time. And um, I was very suicidal one night. I was ready to end it because I got tired of the pain. The sex wasn't working anymore. Drinking alcohol wasn't working anymore. Um, Just going through the ins and outs of everything just was not working for me anymore. And so I was ready to take a pair of scissors and end my life. And so my boyfriend (laughs) at the time um, called the dorm manager and she came over and she called the police to come and take me to Vanderbilt Mental Hospital I get checked into the mental hospital and they gave me some drugs to kind of calm me down and I woke up and I was in a space. That, of course, like I was on lockdown and the door had to be open from the inside, from the outside. Um, I couldn't get out. And I remember staying in that mental institution, thinking to myself, like, life, like looking around at all of the people who were there and who just, um, they had it much worse than me. And I remember thinking to myself, God, God. Is there an end to all of this? Am I going to make it out of this? Do you have an end result to all of this pain that I feel in my heart? Because I don't know if I can survive at this point the way that I've been doing it on my own, trying to make it on my own. And that was when everything, all the stuff from my childhood, all of the things I experienced with my mother, everything began to surface. And um, I'll never forget the day I checked out. I said to God that I'm going to try to do things your way, God. So some time goes by and um, I worked two jobs, and I'm making it happen for the last few months that I was in Nashville, and I decide to move back home. Um, and after I moved back home, there were still some things that I needed to work through, some things I needed to heal from, and I wasn't completely divorced yet, and all the things were happening, and I got myself into a relationship that was kind of very similar to my marriage, my previous marriage, and... I had to decide what I was going to do is either I'm going to be committed to freedom and God healing me and committed to what God wanted to do in my life and him completely restoring and healing me or continue to live the way that I've always lived, which is now let's. Now that we've kind of moved back home, let's numb the pain of divorce and people looking at me and talking about me and all the mistakes I made and people knowing all of my junk. Now let's numb the pain of that, and I had to make a decision. I had to choose. Either you're going to continue to be hurt and be walking around with the fence and be filled with pain and trauma and dealing with all the things of this, or you're going to commit and sell out to God. And so I chose to get out of that relationship, chose to sell myself out to the Lord and said yes to him. And I got busy doing what God called me to do. I got busy, um, really seeking the Lord and doing what he ultimately placed on my life, my calling and my assignment and my purpose on what I needed to do. And, um, It was in that moment, the moment I got really serious about the Lord, that God ordered my steps to meet my husband, Brian. And I'll never forget the day that I met him. Like, I went home (laughs) and I was so excited. I was so happy. And I wasn't happy because of him. I was happy because for the first time in my life, I felt true peace. I felt true freedom, and it wasn't dependent upon a man and what how well or how comforted he made me feel or how secure he made me feel. It wasn't about any man or anybody else doing something for me. It was because I felt really solid in who God called me to be. I was really solid in who he made me to be, the person that I am. I fell in love With myself. I loved God. But the part that was missing is that I didn't like me. I didn't like sitting with my junk. I didn't like dealing with all the things that I was dealing. And in fact, I thought that God really honestly stopped stopped loving me because I had blew it, because I wasted my inheritance, because I got into a marriage that wasn't healthy or God-ordained. Because I had made these decisions, I thought that God stopped loving me. And then one day after I became more dependent upon the power and the presence of God. After going to therapy and walking through and talking through some of the things that I needed to talk through and things that I needed to really dig deep down in doing the work, one day I didn't feel that pain anymore. One day I didn't feel that burden anymore. One day I didn't think the way that I used to think anymore. One day I didn't live the way that I used to live anymore. Because God throughout all of my life was always saying to me, come home, come up higher. I have a new life for you. And it was when I stopped hiding my emotions under the disguise of religion and throwing scriptures on everything. Like, those things have a place, but they were never meant for us to hide ourselves in it. They were always meant to be a tool to help us navigate through our human experience. And so I get married to Brian, and a year later we have our first son, and God started really pulling on my heart about, unforgiveness and people in my life that I hadn't forgiven. Because again, I thought as long as I had just moved on, as long as I wasn't talking to them anymore, I had forgiven them. But God was like, no, forgiveness is a matter of your heart and your choices It's to set you free. It's not about the other person and not talking to them anymore. And that's a lot of what I was doing. I was thinking that just because I'm not talking to them anymore or I'm not around them anymore, that means I've forgiven them. Forgetting is not the same thing as forgiveness. And so one day I'm sitting in my living room nursing my now two-year-old, Owen, and God is like, log in and go find your mom. And I want you to say these words. And I was like, man, God, you want me to say what? And God had to help me understand. He was like, humble yourself. Because I didn't always, sometimes we think that when we're in relationships with people, whether it's a parental relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's whatever, like any type of friendship, we think that in order for us to forgive people, in order for us to move on, The thing that needs to happen is that they're always supposed to come to us. We're always supposed to wait on them. And we feel justified in holding stuff against other people. And we don't realize that unforgiveness actually holds the hand of God over things that you are supposed to have. Avenues that you're supposed to travel down. Places you're supposed to go. People that God wants you to reach. He will hold all that stuff back just because you haven't forgiven the people or the person that you're supposed to forgive. And um, God had me to humble myself and reach out to my mom because I hadn't always done everything right. I hadn't always said everything right. She wasn't the only person that was wrong. I was wrong too for some of the things that I said and that I did and for dishonoring her. I had to go and ask for forgiveness. And I also had to let her know that I had to learn to move on from the apology I never got from her. I had to say these things, and it was not the easiest thing to do. But I remember after I did it, a burden that had been on my life broke instantly in that moment. And God taught me the power of forgiveness. And why that needs to be the way that I live from a place of humility and constantly forgiving people. Because the Bible does say that if you do not forgive people, God surely will not forgive you. That was the moment that I got all the way to the end of myself. That was when I finally could tell the story because God had restored my relationship with my mother. God had completed the work in my life of restoration and redemption. And while my life is not perfect, while I don't have it all together, I don't do everything right, but my heart is to please God. My heart is to worship the Lord. My heart is to honor God. And as I do that, I'm committed to helping other people walk to the other side and experience freedom in Christ. Because as long as we don't forgive people, as long as we are holding offenses in our heart, as long as we are committed to being stubborn and doing things our own way, as long as we are headstrong and only want to hear things and do things our own way, We never will experience the fullness of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He wants to restore us. He wants to give us power. He wants to attach things to our life that we have never seen before. But we will never experience the fullness of this if we don't completely yield to the power of God. If we don't completely submit to the Holy Spirit. If we do not completely submit to God, we'll never see breakthrough. We'll never experience the fullness of what Christ has done for us on the cross. And so always after me. It's my story about what God did, how I had to walk through and suffer through certain things in my life that I brought on myself. And certain things were just for the testing of my faith. But even still, God used it all for my good. And so I don't speak just to be speaking. I don't say the things that I say just to be saying it. My goal is to always show a reflection of what Christ desires to do in the lives of others. That you can break through. That you don't always have to live from a place of survival. That you can forgive others. It is possible to walk completely free from things in this lifetime. Does that mean you won't be tempted? No, you will be tempted for the very sake of you being a follower of Christ, you will be tempted. But it's what you do with that temptation that matters. It's how you move in the midst of you being tempted that matters. And though I gave into a lot of my own personal temptations, and though I made a lot of mistakes, God was still always there saying to me, I'm always after you. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. Even in this mess that you created. Even in this stuff that you did. Even in the mistakes that you made. I am still here with you. And I desire to walk you to the other side. Your life doesn't have to be like this. And God does have a plan. May you always live. Knowing, breathing, and living this truth that he is always after you.